Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle, follow your Crave. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome into another edition of Monday Scramble, undeterred by daylight savings time. I am Will Gray, joined by Rex Hoggard and Jay Coffin. Boys, we've wrapped up the Valspar Championship out at Innisbrook. We're going to be joined by Ryan Lavner in a little bit to talk more about that. We've got the Arnold Palmer Invitational coming up this week. But first, let's look back real quick at, at Tampa. And Jay, what were your thoughts from, from the playoff? Well, uh, you know, this is sort of one of those events where we're going to talk about probably things other than the people who actually one uh, and that's that's unfortunate because no disrespect to, to Schwartzel who you know played played better than anybody on a Sunday which was really which really there weren't a whole lot of low scores and Bill Haas you know Spieth and McCoy and there's still some other guys that are that we're just going to talk about more so it's just kind of one of those weeks where congrats to the guys who won but we're probably not going to pay a whole lot of attention to them. if you're writing a game story last night what paragraph does Charles Schwartz will show up in that game? Story? Uh, well, it's uh, probably five, six. It's down there a little it's, way. It's somewhere. Well, yeah, I mean, and not to take anything away from Charles. I mean, it was a great win, and particularly if you look at the way the last few years have played out for him, and we're sneaking up on the Masters, and clearly he would be a guy you'd want to keep your eye on. But yeah, I think what happened with Jordan was much more interesting. What happened with the amateur? We're going to have Lab on in a second to talk about McCoy. I think that's much more fascinating to me. But. Having been at that golf course early in the week, see the way it played out, I think it was almost inevitable. The greens were much, much slower than I think players were used to. Golf course played very difficult. It's been three rough weeks in a row on the PGA Tour. I think they're, if they had to do over again, some guys might have gone back to, you know, the career builder and started their season there because it's been a tough stretch. Yeah, yeah, tough in that they're not shooting 20 under, but I, I don't Somewhere feel in bad between for would be nice. I, it would, but I, I don't feel bad for them. I'm, I'm okay with it. Listen, anytime you can get a single-digit winning score for the week, I'm, that's good by me. Yeah. And right. the conditions were tough. I mean, again, yeah. I was out there early in the week. I know the wind was blowing yesterday on Sunday as well. So, I mean, if you're going to have tough conditions like that, you're going to end up with a single-digit winner. There you go. All right. Well, speaking of Sunday and the windswept conditions, the person that was out there for us was senior writer Ryan Labner. So let's bring in Lab for a little chat. Uh, Ryan, how do you, what was your assessment uh, of the week? And I guess what's your main storyline coming out of Valspar? Yeah, I mean... Players are certainly getting beat up on this Florida swing. It, the wind was blowing all week. The greens were really frustrating. They were resurfaced last year, and they were just running really slow. Lee McCoy, the amateur, mentioned that college events probably have a faster green, have faster greens than, than what you saw last week at Innisbrook, and it certainly baffled a lot of players, especially the world number one, Jordan Spieth. Yeah, like you said, Spieth was uh, frustrated on Thursday in a 76. Couldn't really make too much until that final 
putt on 18 on Sunday, shot a 73, so a bit of bookended frustration. He vented a bit on social media uh, after that first round, but he played well in between, and he still ends up with a top 25 finish. So looking at the big picture, what's your takeaway from the world number one? I thought it was just a really strange week. I mean, the the terrible opening round that, that fueled a lot of talk of, of his slide or his slump, whatever you want to call it, and then he was getting snippy on social media, which is very unlike him because he's he's usually so guarded when it comes to his hashtag brand. Um, but <laughs> the thing on Sunday with kind of throwing uh, Caddy Michael Greller under the bus was one of the most surprising things to me. I, I walked the front nine with him when he was playing with, with Lee McCoy, and he just couldn't adjust to the greens, and he was getting so frustrating, and his pace of play was so slow that he was basically grinding to a halt for a couple minutes, and even Lee McCoy said afterward that one of the main takeaways from playing with Spieth was that, wow, maybe I need to, to play slower because oh, no, Jordan no, was no, very, no. very... Jordan was very, very <laughs> deliberate. Um, I'm not sure what you guys took away from the, the comment with, with Michael Greller, but it was very odd, especially considering how in sync they were last year, and they just always seemed to be on the same page. It certainly wasn't a good omen with the Masters only a couple weeks away. And he talked about this early last week where he just felt like this goes back a couple weeks between he and Greller, where they, they don't feel like they've been on the same page, that they've maybe taken some gambles that they normally wouldn't have. And they, it, the relationship that was so good last year wasn't working out. Now, I know it's going to raise a lot of eyebrows, but I think Jordan said it best. Look, when they win, it's they're a team, and, and Michael's in on the team, and Jay Dancing is manager, and everyone else. It's a we. It's always it's, a, it's always a we. So I, I can certainly see it from the other point of view. As far as Lee slowing down, Jordan, please <laughs> tell me that's not an option. I mean, the one thing that I saw, and, and I was there on sun, uh, Thursday walking with Jordan, he was very frustrated by the winds. On 16, he had to back off his approach shot three times, and he fussed at the wind, and he said, stop gusting, and clearly it, it had gotten to him, which is weird because he normally didn't let, at least last year, we didn't see those types of things getting to him. It, was it the same scenario on Sunday, Lab? Yeah, I think he's just tired. And it's, it's affecting a lot of his decision-making and just kind of his comportment on the golf course. I mean, he was standing there on, I forget what the long part three, the, the eighth hole. He, he just couldn't pull the trigger, and he was just backing off, backing off, backing yeah. off. And then all of a sudden, he, he hooks a long iron into the shrubs. Um, so I think the, the venting on social media, the uh, frustration with the wind, calling out Grella afterward is just a product of this early season scheduling mistake that he just can't seem to to catch up and kind of catch his breath now. All right, Lev, let's move on to McCoy. You know, his comment aside about that maybe he needs to slow down, which made all of us collectively cringe. Oh, I'm still, I'm that, still worried about that, it. That, that aside, it was a pretty stellar week for him, uh, which is quite an understatement. Um, you know him as well as anybody in the media, you know, have followed him over the last couple years and, and know what kind of a game he has. But even you have to be fairly surprised at how well he held it together for four days, for three and a half days, really. But, but you know, for that top ten finish to be so well, you, you, you pretty surprised still? I was pretty surprised. I mean, last year was kind of his breakout year. He won four times. He set a Georgia record for low scoring average, which is pretty impressive when you consider the number of great players that have come from that university over the past couple of years. But, you know, he has some big game experience, too. He, he qualified for the U.S. Open last year. He made the cut to the John Deere. He played on the Walker Cup team. And you can't really underestimate the, the value of playing on a golf course that he's, he says he's played close to a thousand times in his career he, he grew up about a par five away from the first hole so he was certainly comfortable in that environment and 
speaking with Chris Hack this morning, the Georgia coach, he said he was most impressed with how Lee handled himself on the golf course. He's been trying to drill into him for the past couple years that, you know, he can't let the bad stuff uh, get to him. He's just got to be a little bit more relaxed and, and realize that it's a game and not try and beat himself up so much. And you're not going to have a better test of your on-course compartment than playing with the world number one Jordan Spieth in your hometown tournament in the top 10 for the first time in your fourth PGA Tour start. So the, for Lee McCoy to shoot two under par, finish solo fourth, to me was incredibly impressive. And it certainly bodes well, not just for the rest of his senior season, but also when he turns pro after NCAAs. Uh, first off, Lab, that is two comportment references that you've dropped, so good on you for bringing your thesaurus today to the Monday scramble. I'm so uh, tired. I know. It's okay. Uh, but as you said, so McCoy finishes fourth. That's the best finish by an amateur in a non-opposite field event since Justin Rose at the 98th Open Championship, but it does not get him another PGA Tour start, as we often see with top ten exemptions getting guys into the next open event. We've seen this come up a couple times in recent months with uh, John Rahm at Arizona State, but what are your thoughts overall on the PGA Tour not opening the top 10 exemption to amateurs, even after they play so well as McCoy did? I think it's silly. I mean, why not let the good times roll? You have this mm -hmm. great storyline for a week. Everyone's jumping on the lead McCoy bandwagon. Um, they want to know more about him, and then you know, you're probably not going to see him on the PGA Tour again until he turns pro in June. And like you said, well, we've seen this now for the past two seasons, Lee McCoy was the fourth player in the last two seasons who had a top six finish in a PGA Tour event. These guys are coming out more and more, but at least tournaments now are beginning to recognize all of this great talent in college golf, and they're giving these kids a chance to shine. I thought, you know, more than just the $300,000 paycheck that he was missing out on, and Rex, you can speak to this as well, that FedEx Cup points he was not able to earn those. Those certainly could have gone a long way toward helping him earn his card uh, for next season. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that would have gotten him into the Web.com Tour Finals. That finish alone would have gotten him top 200 by the end of the season. Yeah, this one, this one drives me crazy. I, I, I agree so just completely with him. Even on the LPGA, you know, Brooke Henderson last year almost wins an event, and on Monday she's showing up to Monday qualify. I mean, it's, you're right, it's happening more often, that, but it's still not happening often, right? So we're talking about three times a year max yep. over the next five years. You think Puerto Rico wouldn't love to have this guy? Puerto Rico right now, would the best thing they could do would be Call, would find a spot for Lee McCoy. I don't know if his schedule allows or if his college schedule allows. I don't know. But they would love, this has a feel-good story. Let this kid show up, see if he can do it again in a field that isn't even as good as Valspar, but he's on a course that he's not familiar with. It would be so good to just let, like he says, let the good times roll. It doesn't happen often. Just let it fly. And it seems to me it's a missed opportunity. And the tour is usually really good about looking at these types of things and going back a couple of years and actually seeing the way these things have played out. And to your point, it's what, one and a half, two guys a year, maybe tops. And it's not as though you're taking a ton of playing opportunities, which is always a priority for the Absolutely. tour. Absolutely. And I, I understand that. But you're not taking a ton of playing opportunities from guys. So why not in this particular instance where you can continue to foster this goodwill? You can continue to this storyline, this narrative of this amateur and he's on a good run. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. This looks yeah. like something the tour needs to look at and, and make sure that, look, if you top ten, if you're a professional, it's going to get you in the next week. So it shouldn't matter if you're an amateur or not. I think we're all in agreement here. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the rule will change. We'll have to see. Just because of this. Just because, because of us. Absolutely. Uh, one more lab before we let you go. Graham Dillette, uh, 0 for 137 on the PGA Tour. Credit to him. He grabbed the bull by the horns Saturday night saying, this is going to be the day. I'm going to win this tournament. And then he comes out Sunday and can't make a putt, doesn't make a birdie, shoots 75. 
the drought continues for the Canadian. What are your thoughts on how he approached it on a Saturday and ultimately how it didn't go his way on Sunday? I mean, what the heck are you doing declaring publicly <laughs> that you're going to win the tournament? Guarantees do not really work in sports. It can really only backfire on you, and it sure did for Graham Delay. He didn't make a birdie during a 75 uh, but at least he did get fourth place money along with Charles Howell III. Um, he he, he kind of backtracked yesterday, um, you know, saying he didn't he didn't pull a Babe Ruth and call a shot or anything like that. He just just trying to believe in himself. Well, you can believe in yourself uh, and keep it to yourself because coming out and saying you're going to win the tournament and then not doing it uh, just kind of highlights the fact that you're now 0 for 137 in your PGA Tour career. You ever heard of Broadway Joe? <laughs> Mark I have heard Mark Messier yeah. worked for him. Gary that was Jones. a long time ago. <laughs> well, I, and again, maybe you, there's something to be said for the idea that you don't put it out there in public. Maybe that's the problem. And this goes back to the Patrick Reed thing, claiming himself a top five player. If you don't think it, you don't deserve to be on the PGA Tour. If Graham doesn't think he can win on the PGA Tour, he's got no use being out there. I mean, that's just the mentality you have to have. So, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have said it, and I really don't have a problem with him saying it. I, I thought it was kind of motivating, and I understand what you're trying to give yourself a pep talk. But all of them believe it, and you have to believe it to be at that level. Yeah, and he probably shouldn't have, but I, I don't care. I love when they do, though, because it's just, yeah, I mean, how it's just oh, it's you're terrific. talking about layups, man, just layup. I've got to win the tournament. Really, you've never won one, and you're going to win this one? Okay, that's a layup. How often do we see guys, though, they're always walking on eggshells trying to make sure they don't say the wrong yeah. thing or they say the right thing? This is a guy who was asked a question, he yeah. gave an honest answer, and he, and he went on about his day. Yeah. I mean, it's I it was refreshing. Yeah. He wasn't even asked the question. That was a, He just came out and said, <laughs> tomorrow's going to be my day. All the better, then. Even he'll better. be asked next time. The next time he's near the lead after three rounds. Hey, uh, hey Graham, you got any uh, got any guarantees for us going? tomorrow, my man? Lab, what else would you have written on Saturday night had he not said that? Um, well, <laughs> considering I was vomiting the previous night because of some kind of uh, stomach, stomach flu, I probably wasn't going to write right. much anyway. But thanks, thanks, thanks to Graham Dillette, I right. had something to write. Uh, I think that's our cue that we've exhausted yeah. our, our quality yes. time here with Ryan This Labner. has been your uh, too much information yes. segment with Ryan Labner. It's Seriously. Time to let him go. Uh, yes, Lab, thanks for joining us. Uh, get some rest and I guess take some Pepto-Bismol when you get a chance. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys. All right, see ya. <laughs> wow, that's that's tough to go. Speaking Move on. Of yeah. unspoken thoughts. Yeah, like, there's exactly. certain yes. things that don't need to be said. <laughs> Graham, you can say you're going to win all you want. Lavender, please keep some things to yourself. Exactly. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's let's move our focus to this week's event. A uh, bit of a home game for us here in Orlando, just down the road at Bay Hill. But uh, it, Jordan Spieth is not in the field, but plenty of other top-ranked guys are, notably uh, Rory McIlroy. You've got Adam Scott coming in, trying to make it three wins in a row and, and basically just crush the Florida swing. Uh, but what are some storylines that, that you guys are looking to, Jay? What's one that sticks I out? I mean, uh, that's it. Those guys, and still Jason Day. I mean, I know we talk about him, but, I, you know, I still kind of want to see a little something, uh, um, you know, for him to warrant being one of those top five or six favorites heading into the Masters. But, again, Adam Scott, I mean, that's going to be a big deal. I, no matter where he goes, what's he do, what he does this week, a lot of people are going to talk about it. And Rory, again, can he shake off? I mean, it was disappointment for Rory. It was disappointment at Doral. How can he shake that off? Um, you know, we've got this and then the match play, and then, you know, a couple of them are going to head to Houston before we go to the Masters. But how does Rory shake that off, and can Jason Day top 10 and just make a little noise? And I think when you look at what Rory did, and I, t I gave him a free pass on what happened on Sunday at Doral, and for this reason, because he talked about it before he went into the final round, he cannot play defense. 
We saw what happened at the Masters in 2011. He can't play defense with the lead on Sunday. So he knows he plays aggressive golf. It's what he does. He said it on Saturday night, I'm going to play aggressive golf. And you just couldn't do it on that golf course, especially under those conditions. It, the margin of error is so small that I think it caught up with him. That being said, it will be telling to see how he comes out this week. Does he continue that run? He was playing very well, putting very well. That's what we're always going to look at. But can you continue down that path that you sort of set yourself starting on Thursday at Doral on a golf of course, that is much more receptive. Now, not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but much more receptive than Doral was. Uh, I'm circling back for me. It goes back to Adam Scott, not only going for three in a row, but remember, it was two years ago that he had this tournament wrapped up with a bow on top through 36 holes and absolutely gave it away. Uh, like, like an epic, epic. In honor of Ryan Lauder, yes. he puked it up. There you go. Uh, so. It'll be interesting to see how he responds. Yeah. I, you know, there's, there could be a little scar tissue there, but clearly he's playing well. He's put a lot of questions that we had tied to Adam Scott to bed, and uh, he's, he's rolling with some serious momentum right now. But, Jay, you mentioned earlier Jason Day. This is the final event of the Florida Swing. Are there any other players for either of you guys that stand out as, as players that you need to see something out of this week to cap the Florida Swing that really needs some more momentum? I, maybe not that I need to, but that I would like to. You know, how about a, a Henrik Stenson type? I mean, yep. you know, I mean, he, he gets lost in the shuffle. I'm a world-class player. Yep. He gets lost in the shuffle of those top five or six Speaking guys. Speaking of guys that should have won Bay Hill. Yes. Henrik Stenson. Absolutely. So a guy like that, you know, I mean, he, you know, he's a great quote. Yeah. But I'd still just kind of just, just keeping that momentum, just backing it up, you know, playing in Orlando at a place that he's played well that you mentioned. It, to just I just want more bigger names to join this mix of all the guys that we're already talking about who have all played well. Is, also is remember, it too much to ask? Remember, yes. Stenson, though, is, is <laughs> skipping the match play. That's right. So he this is, is so this is Bridgestone too. I mean, if you want to continue to go well, down the list, no, he has boycotted the WGCs this, is, this year. Right now like. on the golf calendar, you have the Masters, and then the world is flat, and everything's falling off. And I, I think, think that's, that's it. That's all you care about. When you get out so, that far. so let's get from here to Magnolia Lane. I, I think you nailed it. You did with Jason Day. And at the end of the Florida swing, I need to see something out of Jason Day. And look, he has started slow. There has been rust. It's clear that. He took time at the end of last year, understandably so, the birth of his second child after the season that he had to finally get that major championship. He didn't come out with the fire that we expected him to have, and I think he realizes that. And there is an importance. I don't need him to win. Yeah. I don't need him to be standing with the trophy on Sunday, but he does need to put together some solid well, rounds. And I don't have the stats in front of me, but Randy Mel last week was telling us about how Jason Day has never played well in Florida, so it's not a surprise to not see him play well. But Jason Day also is never coming, coming off a, a year where he won a major and did everything that he's done. All right? This, this is a Jason Day. So, yeah, it's still through Florida. Maybe he's, maybe it's not his doesn't bring out his best goal. Golf, but he's won a major. He is one of those top dogs. We need to see more of him heading into the Masters. I will agree. We'll see. Rex, you got anything to add there? Well, there was so much focus on, on the big three, and, and I think maybe on some level that probably got to him as well, trying to live up to those expectations. Instead of just doing what he did, it seems like he had the formula at the end of last year. Yep, we will see. All right, uh, moving focus now. The WGC match play, which Henrik Stenson will not play in, uh, is next week. But we have the field sets. We've got the 64 qualifiers are set based on this week's world rankings. It's actually going to go down to 66 to accommodate for the absences of Stenson and Jim Furyk. But then sitting there out at number 67, the odd man out, we've got the match play maven Ian Poulter. How surprised are you guys to see that Poulter's decline has reached the point where he is now, uh, unless there's another withdrawal, he's going to miss this event 
for the first time since 2003. And the golf guy, I mean, how funny is it that he's, I mean, he's the first alternate. Yep. So he didn't just make it or miss it by two spots. Like he, he's the, bubble he's guy. the guy, he is yeah. the absolute guy that's right there. And nobody in that field, I, I don't care who you are, they're, be, they're being honest. Nobody in that field wants somebody to drop out for him to slide in. He may not make noise, but he might. And if he does, you don't, you don't really want to play Ian Poulter. You know, again, he, does, he hasn't played his best golf this year. He hasn't played it for, for a little while. But you get in this format, you don't really want him to slide in. And then next Monday, you don't really want to see his number pop up in the ping pong ball. Well, and we need to put an asterisk by that. He is, so far, he has failed to qualify. But now there are 64 guys, and anything can happen. Danny Willett's wife is due, and he may end up staying in England. We've heard about little, nicks, little nagging injuries that certain players have. I'm actually going to be surprised if you show up in Austin and he's not there, simply because, one, it's what he lives for. And I, I think the golf gods looking down are going to... You think he's going to will it to happen? golf gods, Cardinal? Yes. he's going to will it to happen? I think he's going to will it to happen. You think he's going to will it to happen? I mean, this event was made for him. So I think if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen for Ian Poulter, not against him. I mean, I think it's a bit... It'll be a pivotal moment if he's in or out. He's really sliding down these world rankings. He's at 67 right now. He's in the Masters. He's in the Masters. Well, that's based it. on his based on his yeah. uh, top 12 finish last year, but otherwise he wouldn't be he would not be in the field at Augusta National. Jay, as you said, it's a Ryder Cup year, so it's obviously big uh, for Poulter, who's already made comments about the fact that he's going to be on this team for Darren Clark at Hazeltine. I will say, harken back. Let's think if we were in the old format and we just went straight seeding, how much would you want to see someone WD to set up Jordan Spieth and Poulter first round? That would be fantastic. That would be juicy. Yes. That would be worth someone pulling up Now, something tells me Dell doesn't want to see that because you're going to end up with Jordan Spieth going down in the first round to a player that had to scramble just to get inside the field. That's the worst-case scenario. Right, and that's why we've got ping-pong balls and groups. But I would still love for him to slide in and have Poulter be in the same draw as any of those top guys. I mean, I'll that match him against one of those guys. Oh, I'm I'm all in for that. Poulter Even though it's a different format, I'm, I'm all, yeah, absolutely. Do you think you have to tell Ian Poulter it's a Ryder Cup year? I, I think it's funny that we have to bring it up. Yes, yeah, I think he's got the, the the reminder on his phone. I think he's got as, as soon as New Year's Eve hits, every morning, the he, every morning he wakes up, yes. he rolls over, and there's a reminder. Ryder on his Cup. Phone. Well, it it, it's funny, we, we, we spent so much time looking at the U.S. Ryder Cup team and all the, all the pressure Davis Love's going to have on him. Can you imagine what Darren Clark's going to have to end up doing if, let's say, if Ian continues this slide and you have Ian Poulter ranked 93rd in the world, and you've got to make that kind of tough decision? I still feel like he's a lock. Wow. I, I, I have a tough time foreseeing any scenario outside of an injury where Ian Poulter does not get a spot on that I'm, team. I think there is a point I, of diminishing returns at some I point. I think I may tend to agree with you. I, I reserve the right to change my mind in the next couple months. As of right now, I think so. If it continues to slide, maybe not. But you know what? I mean, you, you can't If they can't pick the team today, off. he's on the team. In the true you essence yeah, of the political yeah, season, I reserve the right to change my mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, like I'm, I'm, like I'm usually a fence rider. Like I, don't, like I don't usually say what's on my mind, okay? Like normally that would really hurt my feelings. Let but a waffle but there. you know what? That does not, that's, the moments of those are not, not very often where I ride the fence. Uh, so Speed Poulter, I guess, still could happen. But are there any other matchups? It's tough to look at, at matchups before we know the seeds and really before we see the, the groupings because we'll have the selection show a week from today to see who's playing in the in the four man groups. But looking at the top ten, perhaps any quarterfinal or semifinal potential matchups that really have you guys uh, have your eye. 
I think any of the top three or four that we've talked about, and you know, obviously I think Bubba Watson has joined that conversation with the way he's played. Clearly, Adam Scott is playing great golf. So if you could put all the way down to five guys, can you imagine end up with a scenario where Roy McIlroy plays Bubba Watson in the semifinals, something along those lines? And the way the system's set up now, I think yeah. you have a better opportunity of that. Well, and, I'm, and I'm even further down than that. I mean, I'll go down to 12 at Sergio Garcia. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I mean, how he played at PGA National, I'm interested in him. I don't expect him to do anything at the Masters for obvious reasons, but, you know, you're talking about DJ. Patrick Reed is a match play demon, right? You get down there, uh, you know, Matsuyama's a good one at 13, but Sergio at 12. Those, so any of those, we know it's, it's not going to go chalk. It, it never it never happens uh, in golf. So, but any mix of any of those top 12 guys, mm. some pretty big studly matchups there. Yeah, see, I want to see the friendly fire. I want to see Spieth play Reed. I want to see Ricky play Bubba. Mm. I want to see Adam Scott play oh, Jason Day. not asking for much. Just just go at it. Just, just have it all. It's not going to be chalk, I know, but we can get one or two of those matches. We can, and, and we will. Inevitably, we will. in these yeah. Ryder Cup years, as we've mentioned, you always end up with some intriguing yes. pairings in yes, there. Where sure. I, um, We just shot and talked to Poulter, but there's going to be a scenario where you have a Sergio Garcia playing yeah. Jordan Spieth, you know, yeah. when you get this glimpse of what could happen in September at the Ryder Cup. For sure. All right, so we talked about this earlier briefly, but going back to Jordan Spieth, world number one, had a frustrating first round at Innisbrook, shot a 76, and then took to social media and kind of tried to tame the Twitter trolls and, and tried to hit back on Instagram, and, and he caught a little bit of flack for his reaction to, to their reaction to his round, basically. We're kind of going in a, in a full circle there, but what are your thoughts overall just on top-ranked players and their treatment of social media, how they react, how they shouldn't react? Just let's let's talk social. Media. What threw me with Jordan is a day earlier, less than 24 hours earlier, he had talked about wanting to tone that sort of thing down, and you have to wall off the outside noise, if you will. And look, if he needs anywhere to look, just look at Rory. I think Rory's done a fantastic job of, of toning that down, ignoring all the noise that comes from social media, and that's part of the job now. And I know that it's hard to avoid, but Rory's done a very good job of that. Jordan needs to learn a little bit better on this yeah. one. And I am surprised because he is not the kind of person that, that seems to want to get in your face. He's not the kind of combative person that wants to be out there in social media. And for him to do this, and look, there's going to be immediate reaction. The hot takes are going to come after a round like Thursday, and he has struggled a little bit. I wouldn't go so far as to call it a slump, but he needs to find a way. And maybe that's what, I mean, we saw it before. Lee Westwood, he just got off social media. Maybe that's the answer. You, you, you use your line, never make eye, t eye contact never with make the Never make eye contact with the crazy <laughs> man. with the crazies. I'm, I'm actually, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really surprised that it happened. I think that he's talked about it so much over the last eight months that I that it's clearly an issue. Well, you guys, <laughs> so you, guys you know were what I mean. Both in Kapalua yes, and when he talked the about skies it. were a little sunnier, and he and still he was was saying social media is a weakness. It's something I need yes. to get better at. Yeah. I got to tune out yes. the noise. And he talked about a Joe from Montana last year at the BMW. So he's he's talked about how this is a struggle enough for me to know it's a struggle. Yeah. So that's why it doesn't surprise me that he just kind of let it fly a little bit. I saw him sort of slap the PGA Tours. Twitter account on the wrist, and so I sent that into the desk. Hey, did you guys see this? And they're like, yeah, I saw that, but did you see him on Golf Channel's Instagram account? And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so they had a screaker. They said, oh, so this is a twofer. We, we, got, we got a couple issues here, and so I don't think it... It's not a surprise. It would probably be a surprise if he does it again, because I think he learned from him, and he said the very next day, I think you'll probably not ever see me do it again, but it, it gets at him, and 
imagine how much it would get at him if he wasn't good. <laughs> if yeah. he didn't, if he wasn't Jordan Spieth and didn't do what he what he's done over the last year. Because I remember, I, I vividly remember this. I wrote the item off of Kapalua, him talking about that, and I got and I, I tweeted it out. I got a lot of response back about he's too sensitive. I don't see any negative. Feedback towards him. Well, but there's always. And I'm so like, it's like you guys aren't looking. There's negative feedback towards yeah. anybody, and then so you get a round where he gets it going sideways and kind of gets a little pouty face, and then he goes back and sees it. And, and this goes back, I think, to what Lav talked about. I, I think he just has a bit of a short fuse right now. He might be tired. I mean, the travel schedule's been difficult with him. him. Walking with him on though. Thursday, he clearly was not in the mood and to deal with the swirling winds and then to get off the golf course and start staring at his phone and seeing what the trolls did didn't help his mood any at all. I still think it, it goes back to something that you were saying, Jay. It's it's fueling the fire because if anything, his yeah. quick response shows that it's getting under his skin. Exactly. That people will say, well, maybe it's a slump, maybe he's not a slump, maybe he's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But clearly, he's got a quick trigger finger and right now, and, and it'll it, make and people want to do it more. Yeah, and so it makes the it makes people want to respond more. It makes us ask the question more. Mm -hmm. It brings it just it ratchets up the level just a couple more degrees. Absolutely, and it becomes a bigger issue for him to have to deal with on a week in and week out basis. And I use, I use Rory as an example of you know the kind of person that doesn't make eye contact with the crazy man on the corner. I think probably the guy that's done it the best is Tiger Woods. Well, <laughs> assuming, there's, there's, assuming there's room on coming. the other this side of a, the spectrum before you get to Tiger. This is another segment. But, I mean, think of all the negative feedback he has heard over the last two well, years, and you don't see him getting on social media and getting in the spats with people because it's not worth it. They're not battles you're going to win, so it's not even worth wasting your I mean, energy. Ricky's done a pretty good job, too. He had one yeah. spat over somebody saying something about a, a, a previous girlfriend or whatever, but that's sort of, you know, he kind of looked and... You know, he's kind of sticking up for his girl. Hey, we can, you know, we're all fine with that. But he's, you know, I mean, he's got a pretty big following, too. And we don't see really any spats. But your your point's the best. Now, if we go to the Masters or something and, and he doesn't play well over the last three or four holes and somehow doesn't, you know, I hope, hope this doesn't happen. But something like, like that happens. He gets into the contention next and doesn't pull it off, you know. Hey, Jordan, are you going to take a look at the crazy stuff? Like, it's just kind of, it's one extra question that he's always going to get that he wouldn't have got yeah. if he'd have just... Just keep, just keep it send. cool. Just Don't keep hit it cool, send. guys. Yeah. Don't hit send. Uh, real quick before we go, it's now four straight wins by former Masters champions. Can Augusta get here quick enough? <laughs> no. Every every Masters champion since 2011 has a win this year. Phil probably should have had one at Pebble. To yeah. Extend that streak back. So, so who are, are you? Is this is this mean you're predicting somebody at uh, for Bay Hill this week or what are you? Matt uh, Every. Just stick with Matt yeah. Every at Bay Hill. <laughs> He's going to cash another 1.1 and then go away for nine months. He'll break the master's tread, right? And then that's it. We'll just shatter him off. He'll go back in his hole for another 10 months. But, I mean, do your point. I mean, the last time, every time Bubba's ever finished runner-up at Doral, he's won. So, yeah, you'd have to look at that. And There's got to be another green jacket in the stable for him now if history holds. But Adam Scott's probably the one that stands out the most for me, simply because I personally had written him off. I mean, I did not think he was going to be able to survive. We had a, we had a bit of a bet. I have owned it. I might as well pay up at this point because I didn't think he was going to be able to rebound. Yes. Well, we will see. Perhaps another Masters winner can take it home this week. Uh, but it should be an interesting action all week at Bay Hill. It's on Golf Channel and NBC. But for Rex, Jay, and for Ryan Lavner, who hopefully his stomach is feeling better, uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. We'll recap the action from Bay Hill. We'll preview the action from the match play. We'll talk to you then.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.